Yay! Oh, yeah. Are you ready to rock? Are you ready to roll? Okay, let's do it. A little classic Freddie Mercury stage persona for you. Because today, oh, today, it's like starting a new book. It's like beginning a new series. We are kicking off another Queen album today. Ooh, are you excited? I'm excited. I'm always sad when I close one chapter, when I finish one album. And we're getting through the albums. Oh my goodness. Guess what album we're kicking off today? Just guess. I know if you remember the one we just closed, many of you will be like, oh yeah, we're deep in it now. But can you believe we are kicking off album 11? Album 11 today. Getting into the midst of the 80s with the boys we are. And I do have what I think may be a surprising opinion about this album. And I'm probably going to confess early on in this episode. But before I do, let me tell you what album this is, of course. Yeah, it's album 11. And it was released the 27th of February of 1984 in the UK and the 28th of February in the US. Of course, we are talking about none other than The Works, ladies and gentlemen. Queen's The Works. They brought it all. They brought it big time. It was recorded at Record Plant in LA, Music Land in Munich, August 83 through January of 84. And I feel like there was another studio in there. Oh my goodness. I might have to go look that up before this episode is out. I apologize. I, you guys, wow. Okay, so hold on, hold on. Let's talk about how this album charted was number two in the UK. Fantastic number. Better than the last album. Hit number two in the UK. Number 23 in the US. Not that bad. Some theories as to why the album didn't chart higher. We'll talk about that a little bit, of course. And it also was number two in Austria, Norway. Switzerland. It was number one on the Dutch charts and it hit the top 10 in many countries Italy, Finland, Germany, Japan, New Zealand, Sweden, <sighs> many. Now, I watched a ton of interviews. It's great to see the guy so much. I watched a ton of interviews before I decided to kick this album off. I had to. I had to see what, they, what the boys had to say. And I think one of the biggest reasons. They had so many interviews. It's not just because it was their first album in two years, not just because they took a little bit of a break and they came back swinging and swinging hard, but many of them had other things going on around the same time as this. So there was a lot of activity. There was a big flurry of activity for Queen and all of its members at this time. So a plethora of interviews to watch, material to take in, wonderful to see all of the boys so much. And here's the thing. Their enthusiasm after taking a little bit of a break is so obvious, not just in the interviews. There's almost a little bit more of a, of a boyish ecstaticness in the interviews again. I've talked about how 
as the years have gone on and we've watched them evolve from the very green, early, young queen members in early, late 20s, sorry, mid to late 20s, perhaps, depending on exactly when, but they were quite a bit younger in their lives and just in their career, they were quite young. And at the beginning, there was so much enthusiasm and they were very unguarded. They were very open when it came to expressing their enthusiasm and their thoughts, et cetera. And then within a matter of just several years, that really seemed to shift into something much more reserved and apprehensive. And I think that ultimately came from being on guard because of the press and this feeling that they're never going to impress the press. So there's this chip on the shoulder attitude that I think, especially in the late seventies, you get a little bit of that. There's, they're much more guarded than they were when they were younger. At least that's what I've come to, to witness and feel in those interviews. But here it almost feels like, despite the fact that they're continuing to get older, that that energy, that youthful energy of their earlier days is kind of sort of back. And that does translate to the music. I, I think the enthusiasm of the performances is definitely more than, not all performances, not all songs on recent albums, but from, I think, more than some. But having said that, and this is where my opinion's going to shock and stun, and you might feel like I'm, you know, a traitor to the band. And <laughs> I don't know how severe it will be taken, but here are my thoughts about this album and where I stand with it now. I'm going to tell you about my journey with it because it was one of the first albums I bought when I started to collect Queen on disc. So I, I'm going to go into that first, and then I'll tell you what I think about it. So. When I started collecting Queen discs years back, I got two of them at the same time first. I bought Queen 2, which of course was 1974, and I bought this, The Works, which of course was 1984. I did not plan that. Those were simply the two discs the shop I went to happened to have. So I effectively have in a way what feels like two very different bands. We have the very prog rock, glam rock, Queen 2, which is experimental and extremely bombastic, and the production is overloaded, and I love it. And then we have the much more pop rock-oriented, accessible The Works. Now, at the time when I bought these albums, The Works was more appealing to me because of that radio readiness. Radio Gaga. Because, sorry, because of that kind of appeal. It's, it's almost like I wasn't quite ready for the edge and the angst of Queen 2. So for a while, the works was my go-to. And then somewhere along the lines, a few weeks after I bought these albums, I was listening to Queen 2 while I was running on the dreaded treadmill. Okay, the treadmill. The, the weather was nasty and I literally could not run outside. I, I think it was just too much packed ice and I didn't want to chance it. So I was going to the gym and I was running on the treadmill and I was listening to Queen 2. And while I was doing that, I suddenly fell massively in love with Queen 2. It became one of my favorites of the boys and still is forever and ever. So I started to prefer this heavier, edgier, angsty, younger rock and roll from the boys. That's just, that's, I became obsessed with it. And the works, still great, still appealing, of course, lost a little bit of its luster in comparison. Now, guys, you've been through this with me. I, I know... If you're massive fans like I am, 
then you've probably been through the journey too. And especially if you went through it with them in real time and you were alive back then, and I envy you in so many ways, don't even get me started. If you've been through that journey or you discovered them and went through them chronologically or you tried to, then you're well aware of the evolution of the boy's sound. And we know that they've always evolved. There's always been something about what they've done that's changed. They've, they've said it, I think all four of them have said this exact thing or alluded to it. They get bored before anyone else. So they push themselves. As soon as you feel like they're comfortable, they do something else. And there's only been really one instance where they kept the style going, and that was from opera to races, where they really expanded on that operatic, really opulent, glamorous sound of gorgeous, just buttery rock and roll. I I don't know how else to describe it, but... I love Day at the Races. I love it. Along with Queen 2, they duke it out for my favorite all the time. So they've very much constantly evolved and pushed it and wanted to do something different that people weren't expecting. But they've always maintained a little bit of that rock edge. They've never really gone backward. Okay, they've never, they've never gone back to something that was comfortable. So let's talk about the works. But context. Hot Space, which we just finished didn't go over well in many parts of the world, largely because people thought it was too much of a departure. It was too dance. It was too quote unquote disco. It got that label slapped on it and it kind of stuck. A lot of radio stations, especially in the US, didn't know what to do with it. They wouldn't play it. So the album had some bops on it. We've talked about it at length. You guys know I love a lot of songs on that album, but at the time, it didn't go over well, especially with a lot of longtime fans. And Queen recognized that. This was also all happening at a time when Queen had been together for a decade, you know, in 82. They'd been together. They'd been touring everywhere, doing it a long time. You need a break. You're not breaking up. You just need a break. And I think that friction, that tension resulted in ultimately the sound on Hot Space as well. So you had members who wanted to do this and you had other members that weren't so keen. And you end up with something that is really well done, actually. I I think despite the fact that a lot of people didn't like it, and even to this day, some people find it to be not among Queen's best, you can't really argue that for what it is, it's done well. And I still think that if another band had done that album, it would have been celebrated more. If, if the history of Queen hadn't, been, hadn't happened prior. So anyway, I digress, but it's important to note that, that the boys saw a little bit of a shift with Hot Space. It wasn't, it wasn't the successful album they're used to having. And they noticed, they noticed that. So they took a break and they came back to do the works. And they'd done a lot of exploration into pop and dance and funk. Okay, we, we've been all through that with not just Hot Space, but the game as well is really where that started. And we could, we could even say that there was a song or two on jazz that had elements of funk. I mean, look at, look at Fun It. That's still one of my favorites from Roger, and that is totally funk. So we have all of these elements that popped up here and there, and they weren't so dated, but with Hot Space, they were kind of dated. So the guys have done all these things with pop elements. And they 
carry some of that with them at this point. They also have all of this rock, this sturdy foundational rock in the back. It's, it's, it's their thing. That's ultimately what sets the stage for anything they decide to do is the rock and roll. So they come together to do the works. And they want to do something the, that the masses will enjoy. That's obvious. They, they, they all said it, and we're going to go into detail about it, that they wanted to do something that the people wanted, that the fans wanted. And I think this is the first time I've heard that so obviously stated from not just one of the guys, but pretty much all of them. That's the first time that's happened, where they've said, we're going to rely on what we know we can do really well. So instead of doing something that's different, and I suppose you could say that their fusion of pop and rock is a little unique. You know, this is the first time we get, I suppose, more classic rock elements of Queen combined with this pop sound they've been toying with. But nonetheless, a lot of it is relying on what they know and what they do so well. And dare I say it, it's a little bit like, I can't believe I'm going to use this phrase. It's a little bit like selling out. You know how people will say, I think Taylor Swift is the best example I can think of. When she shifted, when she did Shake It Off, and she did that album that that song was on, it was, there was like pandemonium, massive uproar from a big bunch of people. They were like, what is this? I, I think, and just, just to disclose, I'm not, I'm not a, a Swifty. I'm not a huge Taylor Swift fan. I, I appreciate her talent and I love what she's done and a major applause for all her accomplishments, but I'm not that person who goes out and listens to Taylor Swift and collects her albums when they come out. I'm just not that person. So I'm familiar though with her career and where she's come from and how far she's come. And I do love that she's the songwriter. You know, she is so involved in the, in the creation of her work. I do love that. I love when an artist is, isn't just the singer. I love when they put elements of creativity into it. That's a big deal for me. So I respect that. But when she changed, when she shifted gears, there were some people that were like, oh, now you could say it was actually beneficial. Her fan base is massive. They're loyal. They love what she does. She, what was that a few months back? She literally had, I don't, I don't even remember now, but she set some record for something. I mean, that's incredible. So she actually made a very good decision when she did that, but a lot of people still said she sold out. People said that about Madonna when Madonna would innovate. Now, Madonna is an artist who has constantly evolved as well. She's in some ways been ahead of the game. I loved Ray of Light, and that will always be my favorite era of Madonna. I, I, that is probably my top, one of my top 10 albums ever, along with the Bjork album, maybe. It, I just, I, I love Ray of Light. It was different, innovative at the time. It was a little bit groundbreaking because you didn't have that kind of music at the forefront. There were other artists who did that too. In fact, Kylie Minogue is one of those artists with her album, what was it, Impossible Princess, which I still need to buy. Anyway, you get the point. There's, there's artists who've evolved or they've decided to consciously, rash, rapidly, <laughs> drastically, that's what I wanted to say, drastically shift 
their focus, their style, and therefore their, you know, their quote unquote sellouts. Oh, how dare you? Now, in this case, Queen actually, it's kind of the opposite. Instead of totally jumping to something different, like, like when they went and did Hot Space, which even at the time felt, I think it felt tired because disco, quote unquote, was already out. It wasn't even on its way out. It was out. So they shifted gears, but because that sound was already a little bit tired, I think the sellout thing wasn't, nobody thought about that. But for some reason, or maybe they did, and I just didn't read it that much. For some reason with this album, when I think about the shift, this conscious decision to go back to something that they know more, that is comfortable, for them and the fans, it feels a little bit, maybe sellout's not the right phrase. It feels a little bit, I was going to say like unadventurous, but that's not even fair either because there are moments here that are quite incredible on the works. I'm not saying I dislike this album when I say this, but I do feel like this is the first time we've had the guys really shift backwards in their style. And yes, they're carrying some of that pop infusion with them, but it feels like they're taking a step backward. They've been taking all these steps forward and they take the step backward. And again, I don't hate the works. I don't hate it. In fact, I really enjoy it. There's a lot of songs on here that I will listen to very happily over and over because they're catchy. That's one thing this album really has going for it is it's incredibly, there are some moments here that are so catchy because of that radio-ready pop lean. It works incredibly well with the edge of the rock and roll. Yes. But that's just my opinion about the album. And I'm really excited. I'm ecstatic, actually, to go through the album with you in detail because I'll tell you what, with my research already, just looking up general research for the album, I've already discovered a few things about songs I didn't know. And I'm like, whoa. And I I knew that was going to happen, but I'm really looking forward to this. I cannot wait to dig through these songs one by one because I'm hoping, I'm hoping that when we get done with all this, I will have a more positive thought. I will have a more positive sentiment around this album because I enjoy it, but I don't want to have that thought in my head that this feels like the guys are are relying on something that they know is tried and true versus going out there and pushing the envelope a little bit. I, I think that's why I love so much of, of their work for them. I, I'm not, and I'm not saying... See, people could say, well, there were other bands doing things before they did. Whenever I'm talking about them pushing the envelope, I'm talking about their own evolution within their queen world, right? So I know people will say, oh, so-and-so was doing that before. But keep in mind that when I say that about them evolving, I'm talking about them as a unit and how they're working through and creating their songs and collaborating and and the theme of their albums, et cetera, et cetera. That's what I'm alluding to. And that, yeah, I suppose I feel a little bit deflated is not really a good word, but I sound like I'm really knocking this album and I'm not. I just, this is the first time I felt that way. So as we go through these songs, here's open that I will be wowed and be like, whoa, and we'll all have a moment of surprise 
and enthusiastic aweness. I want to be in awe. And we will be. I will be. So anyway, before I go on too much more about that, because that was entirely too long, let's talk about band comments. I have at least one from every single member of the band. And I had to go to many different resources for this. I had to go to old archived interviews. I had to go to videos. I had to go to a book. But I got one from each of the boys, at least one. And I'm going to kick it off with Freddie in Leiden, the Netherlands. He was talking about, this was in a video interview. He was talking about coming back to do the works. Quote, for about two years, we didn't come up with anything. We went away from each other. When we came back, it was like coming back together from the start. We started fighting about all the things we used to fight about five or 10 years ago. And so off we go again, unquote. And Freddie also mentioned in another interview that they played it, quote unquote, safe after the reaction to hot space. See, there's the first time or there's a time where I saw at least one of them specifically say that, that they played it safe. Now, Brian, in the book, Queen As It Began, commented on the label, the record label situation for the works. Quote, we went into the studios for this album with a definitive agreement among ourselves that it would not be delivered to Electro Records. Freddie, in particular, was adamant that to do so would be throwing it away since he felt the company no longer seemed capable of doing their job. We paid $1 million to get out, unquote. Now, Brian talked with Faces in 84, quote, whereas with the last album, Hot Space, we were way out on one of those limbs you mentioned. This one uses the type of songs we're best capable of doing. The Queen trademarks are back in there. We're painting pictures as we did three or four records ago. We wanted to sound more like Queen the group, unquote. And he went on to elaborate about the band's penchant for experimentation. And here's a mention about that, quote, not one of us is ever totally happy with an album because we want, we each want something different out of it and we never get it. Now, the works is doing very well, but I myself am starting to wonder, does that mean we played it too safe? I really do think you need to take the musical risks to be comfortable with yourself, unquote. And it's very interesting. So of course I thought about this when I was jotting this all down, but to read that again, that even back then, Brian was wondering, did we play it too safe? Even after talking about experimentation, Brian, I think you hit the nail on the head because yeah, there are elements of pop and rock here, but for Freddie and others to say they played it safe, it's like they knew they had to backtrack a little bit. All right, let's continue. Even John chimed in about the works and the boys' desire to get back to rock basics. Quote, we were disappointed with it. Hot space. Two, I think. So we really did talk about how we were going to attack the next album. With the works, we decided to go more towards the things people actually associate with Queen. Unquote. See what I'm saying? Every single one of them says, yes. yeah, we went back, we pulled some old stuff out of the hat. Roger during an interview in Australia. Quote, after the Hot Space album, which wasn't very well received, we decided to take as much time off as we needed and to come back when we felt refreshed. We came out with that album, that works, and it seems to be doing very well, unquote. And I paraphrase that a little bit. He 
elaborated somewhat in there, but I took the important stuff. So you get the feeling from all four of them that there was this incredible awareness staring them in the face that the fans wanted something that was more classic queen. And you know, I'm not really knocking them for that. I'm not saying that was a bad decision because obviously the album hit number two in the UK. It did very, very well in many countries in the world. So it wasn't necessarily a bad decision. It's just something I noticed. And I'm sure given the success of the album and how well it did and the response to the videos, et cetera, we'll talk about that later. They were happy that they did what they did with these songs and with this album. But Brian was, was like, did we play it too safe? I don't know. I, I, what do you think? I would love to hear what you guys think about the album, especially as I go through sentiment here, which I'm going to start now. I'm going to go into what critics said, what fans have thought. Contemporary, sorry, contemporary reviews lauded this as Queen's return to form. Given many a band's unsuccessful attempt at correcting course, this is indeed impressive, not going to lie. Record Mirror, quote, the comfortable yet demanding Radio Gaga is brought down to earth by the hot and oily tear it up with its cat scratch fever guitar. Another jewel in the crown, <gasps> unquote. Isn't that lovely? Catch, catch scratch fever guitar. Now, Park Pewterbog, Pewterbock, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry, of Rolling Stone, that's the important thing, actually liked this. Quote, rather than move in ever-widening spirals of bombast, they've trimmed a lot of the excess. What's left is a lean, hard rock sound, making the works perhaps the first record to refute the maxim that the words queen and listenable are of necessity mutually exclusive. The works is a royal feast of hard rock without that awful metallic aftertaste. As such, it might turn out to be the Led Zeppelin II of the 80s, unquote. Whoa, <laughs> that's nice to read from Rolling Stone. People Weekly affirmed the album's tight production and appeal, writing, quote, there's something here for just about everyone, a wild rocker and tear it up, a social consciousness raiser in Is This the World We Created, an ode to computer culture in Machines. The sweetness of lead singer Freddie Mercury's voice provides an attractive contrast to the band's biting style, and the LP contains enough rhythmic hooks to hang a whole disco full of coats on, unquote. But not everyone was impressed. Sandy Robertson of Sounds wrote, quote, the album attempts nothing so bright, and Sandy was alluding to Radio Gaga, being little more than a reworked pile of cuttings from Queen's greatest tricks. Wasn't that a bit copped from the football chant of We Will Rock You zooming by? And doesn't Man on the Prowl have the rockabilly echo quiven of funny little thing called love? Funny little thing called love. <laughs> Glued to its bum? The works has the works. Everything is kitsch and it stinks. Awful, mainly. So from the average Queen fan's point of view, awfully good. Another one bites the dust, suckers, unquote. Isn't that harsh? Now, here's the thing. Sandy Robertson of Sounds, there was another snippet of that review put in the album, Queen as it began, or put in the album, sorry, put in the book, Queen as it began. 
And it was a much more positive bite. And I thought, well, that's interesting. They, they left out. <laughs> They left out the bulk of it. They ignored the bulk of it, which was actually quite, as you just heard, negative. That is the one of the only negative ones I read, though. And I poured over many. I tried to find as many as I could. So that was nice to see that even, for example, Rolling Stone was a fan of the works. Now, retrospective sentiment generally finds the works lacks the punch of earlier albums. And I read a lot of comments, you guys. So despite a song or two echoing classic Queen sounds and its diverse genres and unfocused approach do it no favors, though, of course, previous Queen albums successfully integrated many styles. But I've read that, that people have said that they feel this album is quite disjointed from song to song. Louder Sound ranked the works number eight on their list of Queen albums from best to worst, calling it a satisfying album that worked the band's hard rock roots back into the equation without sacrificing the electropop and funk strata they'd been embracing, unquote. Greg Prato on AllMusic alluded to the album's lack of cohesion and wrote, quote, while the songwriting had definitely improved on the resulting The Works in 1984, the album sonically lacked the punch of such earlier releases as News of the World and The Game. Strangely, Hot Space even had a better overall sound. Perhaps with a more straight-ahead production and a U.S. tour, The Works would have landed Queen back on the top of the charts stateside. Unquote. Now, I have a theory. Well, it's not even really a theory. It's probably a fact as to why the guys didn't do better in the States and they didn't tour. But fans, generally, fans enjoy the works, though I tend to see it bounce around somewhere in the middle of album rankings. Occasionally, I see someone rank it at or near the top, praising the album's balance of rock and pop. I don't think I've ever seen it at the very bottom, or very rarely do I see it at the bottom. The works tends to get quite a bit of love from the fan base. I have a lot, a lot of fun facts about the works, about its creation, about what was going on during that time. So hold on tight, strap yourselves in. Here we go. The album's title, The Works, was inspired by the enthusiasm the boys had to put everything into it. All that, we got to put all our effort into it. And in between Hot Space and The Works, every band member worked on solo or collaborative efforts. Brian's Starfleet project, Freddy's Mr. Bad Guy, John's collab with Man Friday and Jive Jr., Roger's Strange Frontier. Freddy even worked on material with Michael Jackson. And before the guys ducked into the studio to record the works, a tour of South America was in the works, huh? But challenges with promotion, equipment, and more, it was kind of an endless list of issues, put an end to that possibility. And the reason they were considering South America again was just because of how amazing the crowds were, the response was incredible. It never came to pass. Queen utilized 24, perhaps 32 track recording on this album. And for the first time, MIDI files, that's musical instrument digital interface. I know a lot of people have heard that term, but they don't actually know what it is. Basically, MIDI is a way to send data digitally, sounds, settings for recording music. This was the first time the guys utilized that 
on an album. And actually, the next album has another first, and we'll talk about that when we get to it. At the suggestion of band manager Jim Beach, who had an interest in producing the film Hotel New Hampshire, the boys considered a whole soundtrack album for the aforementioned film, but material was abandoned in favor of pursuing the works. The one song was created for the soundtrack and survived, making it onto the album, The Works. This was the band's first release with EMI Records and U.S. affiliate Capitol Records worldwide following the nullification of their record deal with Elektra. It was also the first time Queen recorded in the U.S. The beautiful album cover was shot by legendary Hollywood photographer George Harrell, who did Marilyn Monroe, among other Hollywood elite, and he retouched his photos by hand. This is what makes them look so gorgeous. I've always wondered why the cover of the works, the other photos in that session look so beautiful because it's the lighting, it's the color, it's the boys. They look almost doll-like in the best way. And that is why, because George touched them up by hand. John and Roger went out on a promotional tour in the Far East and Australia to plug the album and covered 112 interviews in 16 days. That's seven interviews a day. Can you imagine getting up and just interview, interview, interview? My gosh, get the throat lozenges. Each band member saw one of his compositions released as a single off of the works. There were four single releases. And surprisingly, it was Roger and John's singles that became massive hits. Freddie and Brian's made smaller waves this go-round. The tour included 49 performances, some of which were in South Africa, in Sun City, and this was very controversial because Queen broke the apartheid embargo, performing despite the UN's request to boycott the country and the British Musicians Union Band. And despite Brian's incredible speech about the band's intentions and the positive results visiting Sun City and its people, the band were fined because they went there. And Queen didn't regret their trip at the time, though more recently I've read a change in sentiment or at least a waffling and an uncertainty. I'm not quite so sure that as the years went by, they didn't begin to regret that a little bit. But a question I would have for Brian and Roger if I ever had the chance to sit down with them and have tea. Afternoon tea. The tour stage was again redesigned, featuring two huge cog wheels on a backdrop that mimicked Fritz Lang's film Metropolis. And that's very important. We'll talk about that more as we talk about a particular song. Freddie fell during a performance of Hammer to Fall re-injuring ligaments in his knee, and he ultimately had to cut the show short. I think I read that he had to be picked up, carried to the piano bench, and he made it through two or three more songs before the pain just took him out. Good news, though. First of all, Freddie recovered within days, and even though he was ordered to rest his leg for a time, I think about two or three days later, he was up touring again, even though his knee was braced for a bit there. Plus, During this tour, Queen had nine albums in the UK Top 200. Nine! Still, by this point, even members of the band felt their tours were starting to feel a little lackluster. Roger commented in 2013, and I really had to dig to find this because I remembered reading it ages ago, and I had to go get it. 
I found it on some tour notes. He commented in 2013 with Record Collector that there were, quote, whole tours that were pure farce, unquote. And he alluded to various incidents on tour. Obviously, this left a bad impression. And this was in in regards to perhaps this tour, this tour for the works. And I think I read on another recap of a particular show, and this probably happened off and on anyway, but I did read this particular note that Freddie said something, this was in a performance in front of the whole crowd, that was a little bit of a dig at Roger. And it might have just been in jest, you know, it probably didn't, Freddie probably didn't mean much by it. But the way that this was written, I just, I got the feeling (laughs) that it wasn't something that Roger took very lightly. So I don't know if more of that was going on or if it was just stuff behind the scenes, but for that kind of a comment, you know, that Roger would say something like that, that there were whole tours that were pure farce. I just wonder about it. And I wonder how if it wasn't this little bit of a power struggle for, you know, obviously Freddie is the front man and always has been and gets, obviously because of that, gets all of this attention. And I don't know if there were frustrations about that. All the boys had their place and their importance with what they did. And I think most Queen fans would acknowledge that and say, yeah, the whole was always better than, you know, the sum of the parts. But I just wonder about what that all means. And and if this tour was simply not as good as others or if the energy was changing, lots of things to wonder about there. And John made similar comments, perhaps some of that stagnant energy that started several years prior, that burnout, that tension remained. I don't know. It, it just seems like we're getting to the point even though they have enthusiasm about this album that they've made and they're touring it, that things have shifted. You know, the guys are older, their lives are changing. They've, I, re- I read it and I heard it in so many interviews that they all kind of acknowledge that, you know, they have these separate lives and they love to come together and play and do this thing in this band in Queen, but that whenever they're not doing that, they're quite content to live those lives and they, and they seldom saw each other. And I think the press took that as an, oh my gosh, they're having a falling out and it's all coming to an end. But really, I think what we have here is just maturing men who are coming into their lives and it's natural for things to evolve that way. Now, it's unfortunate if some of it was negative and it wasn't quite so joy, joyous, but these are the realities of what was happening and, and what I got from these comments and from some of these interviews. Now, in November of 84, the boys recorded and released their first Christmas single, and it would be their only Christmas single, Thank God It's Christmas, and it hit number 21. So along with that single and the works for released singles and all of the B-sides, Queen effectively released the album, The Works, in its entirety on a collection of singles, and they were accused of cashing in on fans' loyalty. So there was a little bit of a, uh, you know, it, it, people were rubbed the wrong way because of that. And this really was the time that singles started to, I think, become more and more popular. I, I remember in the 90s, I used to dig up and try to find everything on a single if I loved it, you know, especially when remix singles started becoming popular. That was a big thing. I was really into collecting those things. 
Now back to Queen here. So I do want to talk about, I want to just mention it because the details are coming in this dive, but I want to break free. Okay, that song is very important because without giving away too many details yet about the song and why this happened, the music video did surprise many people stateside because there was confusion about the context around it. And unfortunately, that resulted in a lot of negativity at the time. So when we talk about you know, the boys not, they didn't tour in America. The album didn't, didn't chart as high in America. I think that's a big reason why. I think when this song, the music video came out, it, it was a big surprise to a lot of people. And it was very confusing to some people. And so they lost some people because of that. They lost some audiences in America because of that. It's just an unfortunate reality. And so ultimately, the last time they ever came to the States, and I mentioned this when it happened, the last time they came to the States was when they did Hot Space. The last time they came with Freddie as the original foursome lineup is way back then, and we're not gonna get them in the States again. And that is a really sad story because so much awesomeness in this album and albums that are going to come. So we'll talk about that in more detail. I just, that is definitely a reason why I'm sure it didn't fare as well in the United States in general. But you know what? As much as I talk about the guys sort of perhaps, perhaps taking a little bit of a step back, after, after thinking about this album some more, listening to it, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have it on repeat, of course, for the next few weeks, the next couple of months, however long it takes me to get through this. This really is, it's a joyous album. I was talking about the enthusiasm being back and being evident in the sound. I think that's very true. After a big dive into stark synthesized dance arrangements and really dark funk, the boys return to their heavier rock and roll roots with a lovable, familiar, energized balance of pop, brightness, and rock edge. And with that renewed vigor, enthusiasm, passion, Queen bust out nine songs, refined, aggressive, and polished as ever. You can hear their joy for the music. Their time away from each other and a little breather resulted in explosive numbers with catchy riffs and reflective and mature themes. Not all the fun is gone, though. We've got Brian's feisty tear it up, bangs in hard, leaves a mark, John's I want to break free that playfully professes with lots of sass, and of course, Freddie's man on the prowl. It swings and it jives, not unlike a similar number before it that we love so much. But the meaningful messages are aplenty. Roger's reflective Radio Gaga. People celebrate that song so much and it's so catchy, but there's a lot in the, in the message there. Brian's really tough realization and hammer to fall. And Freddie's melancholy admission, it's a hard life. In fact, all of the boys are giving us, I think, refined, polished material that expresses something deeper and even cautious with an emphasis on the perils of technology and its influences. It's a topic we're still discussing now, sometimes more than ever. So clearly the years of experience in the music business, the ups and downs of life, simply getting older, have expanded the boys' material, taking them beyond, beyond celebratory rock or let's party rowdy numbers. Queen were always intentional, but the thoughtfulness, previously more rare, seems to have 
permeated their collective songwriting efforts more obviously on the works. It's a solid effort. And knowing how energized the band was to create it makes the album extremely enjoyable. Yeah, the styles of song may be broken, lack cohesion. The balance of acoustic and synthesized production sometimes sounds a bit rough. Other people have said that, that they they actually think that Hot Space sounds better production-wise than this one does. But the spirit of Queen's creations is still here, and their trademark bombasticness, I don't think that's a word, but I'm using it, it reigns supreme with Queen. Freddie's voice is in fine form. Clear belts, pristine falsettos. John's versatility as a bassist is just as evident as ever. Brian hits the sound hard every chance he gets on that guitar. Roger balances booming drums and digital drums with ease, even if they played it safe, and made the conscious effort to run back into the embrace of rock and roll. They carried modern elements of sound with them to give us a very satisfying, elated album that I think it celebrates classic rock and fresh pop in Queen fashion. And really, we could even say that maybe it's the best thing that Queen went back to rock and roll and embraced what they knew so well because. There were elements of rock and roll in the 80s that were starting to die. I've talked about how rock and roll these days, I wish it was more at the forefront of music. I know there are still bands out there, but where are the huge stadium-filling bands? You know, the really true rock and roll. So much music is... And it's funny that I say this because two decades ago, I remember thinking, wouldn't it be cool if music was just electronic all the time? And now it is. And now I'm like, I, <laughs> I want it back. I want some more. I want some more real acoustic live sounds back. I want some more organic sounding music. It's funny. I was all about the dance, the synthesizers, the trance. I loved club, you know, 10 minute, 12 minute long club mixes. That was just my thing. And for someone like me who got into rock and folk and so many more organic, acoustic sounding genres much, you know, more recently in my life, I'm, I'm longing for that so much. And, and so actually, in a way, Queen taking that step backwards and saying, we're going to go back to this thing that people love and we love doing and we know you know, we got this, we own it. Maybe that honestly was the best course to take. And as I said, this album did pretty dang well around the world. So a good decision. And I'm sure the boys felt comfortable with that. And I think we get that energy through a lot of the interviews. We hear it on the album. We get that enthusiasm. We get that joyfulness. We get that, ooh, are you ready? I mean, that's why I said it at the beginning of this episode, because Freddie does at the beginning of one of the songs here. And that song has actually turned into something that I previously was not, it didn't blow me away. And now that I've listened to it a few more times again, my opinion is shifting. So as is the norm, things will shift and turn and twist and we will enjoy together. And I can't wait to share more of this exciting exploration with you as we go into these queen deep dives and discover all of the ins and outs of these nine songs. I do wish this album was longer. I wish there was more on it. It feels like it ends a little abruptly. Now, I have the album cut with a couple of, or at least a couple of bonus tracks on the end. So it doesn't really end at the end for me, right? It keeps going. 
And it's kind of nice to have that extension. But if I had bought this back in the day when it first dropped and it just ended on track nine, I think I would have felt like I need something else. (laughs) It feels brief, but you know what's funny? I was actually looking up the total running time of the works compared to other albums. And it's not that different, despite the fact that we have only nine songs here. So that, that's interesting. Nine songs and the running time is not, not far off from what we're accustomed to with the Queen album, but that is the works. And you know what else I'm really excited about as we go through this? Generally speaking, because I know the album so well, I know, even before I get close to the end of an album, I know which gentleman is going to blow me away the most. Whenever I name a guy who impresses me the most on the album, I usually know that. At least a few songs in, or sometimes, like I said, at the beginning. I have no idea this time. I think this is the first time I really don't know who's going to blow me away the most. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to jotting down all the little notes and seeing, wow, who can I not stop listening to the most? We shall see. But we're going to dive right in. I can't wait. The first number is a big one. You all know it. You can do the choreography, and we're going to talk all about it. I've already started making notes about several of the songs, and we're going to talk the deets. Trust me. But keep yourselves alive. Hang on tight. Are you ready? Here we go. We're going to tear it up, among others. (laughs) That's just one. We're going to have a good time. Having a good time, having a good time. Don't stop us now. Don't stop me now. We're going. All right. I know. That's enough. Okay. I'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, enjoy. <laughs> 